Welcome to Season 2 of the Star Love Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Beck, the Oracle in New Orleans, founder of Inner Makeup Astrology. To learn more about what I do, visit innermakeup.net. And today we have wonderful astrologer Janet Booth. Janet has pursued her passion for astrology for 40 years. Her eyes are trained on the heavens, but her feet are on the ground, and her readings always offer practical information along with acute insight into life's challenges and opportunities. She loves to teach, lecture, and write. She served on the faculty of national astrological conferences and has been published in the Mountain Astrologer, pretty much the top astrology magazine. Since 2000, Janet has explained the planets' movements in her annual Janet's Planets astrology calendars and her cable TV show Looking Up on West Hartford Community Television. You can get that online at whctv.org. An instrumental member of the Astrological Society of Connecticut, where we met, she served in many capacities over the years, including president at the Millennium. And of course, her website is astrologybooth.com. So welcome, Janet. How goes it? Hi, Dan. I like to start off by saying celestial greetings. <laughs> and um, it's just for people, this is being recorded June 17th, Wednesday, the morning, uh, 2020. Cause it, uh, but so... Janet, you know, so that's an amazing background you have, and you've been at this for a while, but um, you said you were born to be an astrologer. How were you born to be an astrologer? Well, I didn't know it for the first 22 <laughs> years of my life, but when you look at a person's chart and you see what's in the top part, which has to do with how you connect to the greater world and what your career or reputation would be, up there, I have the planet that is associated with astrology, which is Uranus, or some say Uranus, or some say uh -huh. Uranus, but I say Uranus. And it was um, instrumental in the timing of when I got into astrology and when I uh, like quit my day job and went into it full time. Okay, wonderful. And just so people understand, this is actually going to be a really informative astrology podcast we're actually going to spend the bulk of the time and janet you really should go to her website i use it personally in my astrology practice or at least not as i don't pull up the website and show people <laughs> in the session but i do i reference the website a lot which is there's so much good stuff so we're going to really dive into janet's really wonderful knowledge that you know, she will be imparting to us during this session. But first, I, I love Janet, and, she, you know, you're such a fun person. So I want to just get into briefly who you are, a little bit about you. So you said your first encounter with astrology was you purchasing a Libra shirt because you're a Libra and you still have this shirt. What? Well, tell us about the Libra shirt. Well, that's the first thing I remember. I mean, I, I'm sure I read horoscopes like everyone okay. does, you know, Glamour Magazine or whatever. Um I still have that shirt. It hangs on the doorknob in my bedroom. I see it every morning when I wake up. It was the summer of 67 or 8, I forget, but around the summer of love. And I was, you know, a budding teeny thing. I mean, teenage <laughs> thing. I, I had budding boobs. I wasn't teeny there. Um, <laughs> so I somehow made this little pun joke with myself that Libra sounded like liberate from the bra, and everybody was burning their bra. So I would put on my Libra T-shirt and leave the house. And I can tell this story now because mom is dead. And I'd take <laughs> off my bra and go braless in my Libra T-shirt. 
Oh my gosh. So, okay, so fine. And then you said later on, it was during college, you were dating a guy who was actually a magician and he got you into astrology. So what did he do? Did he play a trick on you or how how did that go? (laughs) No, actually it was after astrology, but just, I mean, after college, excuse me. Oh, okay, Um, excuse me. Yeah, but what's funny, you know, I didn't intend to go to the school I went to. I sort of ended up there by happenstance. And it's mm-hmm. Drew, D-R-E-W, Drew University in New Jersey. And they oh, yeah. called the co-eds Druids. <laughs> and it was in a uh, oak forest. So doesn't it sound like I was returning to my Celtic Druid roots without even knowing it? And I went there as an English major, but soon got fascinated by study of human behavior. And I became a behavioral studies major. So this was the perfect background. I didn't know it to be an astrologer. I studied psychology, sociology, anthropology, threw in some um, religion, philosophy, and education courses. So I came out of college. I thought I'd be a teacher. My last semester, my philosophy of education professor said, Janet, you're too idealistic. You'll be butting your head against the wall of the administration. You won't be happy. I don't recommend you become a teacher. So I came out of college. I didn't know what to do. And then next summer, I was dating a magician. And he was into white magic and reading Alice Bailey and studying things like that. And he said, I'm going to go take an astrology class over at the community college and want to come take it with me. I lived near him. I had no car. I said, well, you're going to have to give me a ride. That's fine. And the sad part was, is this community college, I used to always say, oh, that's where all the dumb kids go. And I went mm-hmm. off to a private college and got my degree that I was doing nothing with, right? Mm-hmm. So that summer, I got my first car. We broke up. He dropped out of the class, and I got hooked on astrology. Mm. And then you started using astrology, but as you said, you basically, you know, you went out into the working world and you were actually a secretary for a long time um so yeah what was that career like because you know i find so many astrologers on the star love podcast i mean we all have different working backgrounds i mean i worked retail for a long time put shoes on people's feet and i Mm. you know sold cosmetics so but you know i actually think a lot of those experience we experiences at least for me, we bring to our practice because like, let's say you're a secretary, you have to do administration, you're, you're, you know, you're dealing with people all day. So I'd imagine, you know, some of those experiences, maybe you bring into your astrology practice, um, right? Or Yes, it's even better than that, Dan, because now oh, okay. I consult with a lot of business people. Mm. And my background, 20 years working with all different kinds of services and industries, including working for some top consulting firm, mm-hmm. that now I have a business head. And when mm-hmm. I look at people's charts for business, I give them all kinds of great practical suggestions mm-hmm. for their business that I don't know if I would have known those things if I hadn't had my career as a secretary. And also, I have a IRA that I'm not sure I would have had if I had become mm-hmm. an astrologer at 24. Mm-hmm. Although mm-hmm. I was always doing mm-hmm. charts, I started charging for them pretty quickly. And, you know, I have to have had, like, I don't know, a bunch of past lives as an astrologer because it just stuck in my head and mm-hmm. I grew with it and I loved it. Nothing else stuck like that. You know, Palmas, mm-hmm. oh, it's interesting in one ear and out the other. Numerology, oh, that's interesting. You know, but astrology just 
Yeah. So you and it's so that you said you you left your career as a secretary. Your boss pissed you off, right? There was what was that turning point like? Like where you were like, you know what? I I have all this experience, you know, in this secretarial administrative position. I've learned so much, you know, dealing with business people, all these other people. But you know what? It's really time. I'm going to do astrology. What was that turning cardinal point like? <laughs> Well, I'll come back to that Uranus up at the top of my chart. So there's something called progressions that maybe a lot of people who have a passing interest in astrology had never heard of, but they are fascinating. Mm -hmm. And it's a simple system based on each day after your birth rolls out into the consecutive years of your life. So about 23 days after I was born, Uranus started its annual backward motion Mm. and that means when i was about 23 years old it had a whole shift in what i was going to be doing career-wise or what was going to take me to my career so that's when i first started studying astrology with the magician Mm. years later so what had happened it goes backwards a little bit from where it was when you were born it had gone right It had gone ahead. Now it's coming backwards. It comes back to where it was when you were born. Mm -hmm. That was in 98, the year I up and quit my day job. There was no planning. Uranus is surprised out of the blue. It's like Mm -hmm. my boss pissed me off. And I said, I don't need this crap anymore. I'll (laughs) go do my astrology. Right. And that was that. And it was a good thing that right around that time, maybe the next year, my grandmother died. I got a little inheritance. Mm-hmm. And that also helped me kind of, you know, keep the wolf from the door while I was building my astrology practice. Right. And your name is Janet Booth and you call your practice Astrology Booth. So what <laughs> what I know, I love it. What So what what inspired you to name your practice and and really your whole website the astrology booth and you know there are, it's really fun when you go to the website you can go into the different booths so it's like the um you know the different like the planning booth or the I'm sorry I don't have it up right now but there there's a booth for everything so well, what in study booth there's a uh, yes a sales booth there's a media booth I wanted to call it the information booth but anyway um well, actually, I wanted to call it Janet's Planets. Mm-hmm. Oh, because, yeah. You know, that's natural. It rhymes, right? Mm-hmm, yes. But when I went looking online, somebody already had that domain. And Dan, they were using it for retail. And they were selling, like, click on Jupiter for purses. Click on Mars for shoes. It didn't even have the planet that went with the type of item. Mm-hmm. It was sad. And later, some pharmaceutical company bought that. And I'm not paying them money for the domain name. So I was trying to think of what other name could I use and actually the boyfriend of one of my girlfriends said to me well your last name's booth how about astrology booth you can have like the sales booth and stuff and I, oh my god that's brilliant so yes. I think of it okay so you got it from somebody all right cool so you know we're gonna get into like I was saying that we're gonna do a lot of astrology today and, and to try to break it down for people simply and also for intermediate to maybe even advanced astrologers just to ruminate and reflect upon the basics of what we do going back to the fundamentals but so i met you at the astrological society of connecticut where you have been involved you know really at the kind of the helm of it for many years now and it's a wonderful organization anybody anywhere should really check out the astrological society of connecticut wonderful programs wonderful stuff wonderful astrologers 
Um, but I want to, you love pizza and in Connecticut, <laughs> Connecticut is known for its pizza. So I want to, you know, for people, they must learn about the pizza culture of Connecticut. So what are some of your favorite pizza places in Connecticut? Well, I will just say that at many of our Astrological Society of Connecticut functions, when we're allowed to meet in person, like in the old days, um, they always involve food, and usually somebody brought pizza as part of the potluck, mm -hmm. just an aside. Mm -hmm. I am the thin, crispy crust type gal, mm -hmm. and you know, New Haven was the main place for pizza originally in Connecticut. And mm -hmm. Pepe's. Pepe's has been the mm -hmm. main place in the Haven forever. And now Pepe's grandsons have about six more Pepe's all around the state. So there's one right. in Hartford. But for years and years, when I was especially still working as a secretary, our office would every Thursday have pizza from Harry's. And Harry had trained under Pepe. So it was the same. Ah. Well, that's kind of what I was saying. There's the pizza culture. So the people, it's like an apprentice. You train under, you know, the different people. Yes. And I, that's why I bring it up because I actually used to live in New Haven so that, you know, it, I was now I must say you know, I love Pepe's. Huh? Are, are you a Sally's instead of a All right. You know what? I'm actually going to admit it. If it's, I love Pepe's, but if it has to come down between Sally's or Pepe's, I am a Sally's person. I know this is going to get controversial. But um, but actually, my favorite, and a lot of people don't know this place, but it's called Zuparties, and it's actually in West Haven, and they have an amazing pizza where they shuck clams, because the clam pizza is very famous around New Haven. They shuck clams right onto the pizza. It's amazing. Wow. Okay. So I encourage everybody who's in, yes, yes, I encourage everybody who is in the Connecticut area and the New Haven area-ish check out Zuparty as I love it. But okay. of course, Pepe's will always be in my heart. I like Sally's because it has a little bit of a charred edge to the crust, but you know, to each his own and there it's, you really still, it's like in the pizza pantheon. So yeah. Well, I was going to ask how you, what was your position on charred crusts? Mm -hmm. I love them. I like charred crusts. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's get into some of the astrology of stuff and just let's as a, as an entry point, so you you say you're not your average astrologer. So what 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 is not average about you? And then what type of clients are drawn to you? So we can get into the type of way that you approach astrology. Hmm. Well, why I say I'm not average is probably because I like all the weird stuff. <laughs> when I was first studying astrology, the teacher says, "Well, there's something in the chart on the, you know." Western or right-hand side, the relationship side of the chart, the side of the other, it's called the vertex. It has to do with faded relationships. That's all he said. And I said, well, I'm going to find out more about this. Well, there wasn't much to find out about that. And that ended up being the topic I spoke at at the United Astrologers Conference and then wrote up an article afterwards, which was what was published in the Mountain Astrologer, which is in the study booth of uh, astrologybooth.com. But the vertex is like your cosmic magnet. It helps you be in the right place at the right time for the circumstances and the people that have a destined kind of feel for you. Well, who doesn't want about know about that in their chart? Right. You know, I'll look at things like that or like many astrologers don't even use the square and a half and a half square called the mm -hmm. 
quadrate and the semi-square, well, they're just as important as the square. Mm -hmm. Then many astrologers don't have anything to do with the one-fifth of the sky or two-fifths called the quintile, bi-quintile. Mm -hmm. They are uh, an aspect or a connection of talent and luck. Mm -hmm. Always looking at those. In fact, that's the topic I'm going to be speaking on for the Astrological Society of Connecticut in, I think it's February of 2021. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so th this is this is great. So, well, and we're going to get into it. We have a lot to talk about. But, you know, it's always interesting. I forget, I think it was Charles Jane who said, you know, to Bill Meridian, because you know, we, I um, we I got to see him because you all brought him in at the ASC. I guess it was wow, that was um, 2017, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah but he he wrote he wrote an article. It's on the Urania Trust website, which I think John Addy had set up, or at least he had set up that organization. But basically, you know, Charles Jane used a lot of techniques. I think like yourself, but. It was, it's like, how do you know which technique to apply at which time? But I, I guess my question, though, regardless of that, because there's so many astrological techniques, you know, are there some of Janet's greatest hits where you're like, you know what, everybody check this one out? I guess you're saying the vertex, some of the quintiles, which is one fifth of the circle. But are there any like that really ring out in your mind, you know, that really if somebody comes into your booth, you're going to grab it to the, for them right away. You know what? I think this is the one or at least a few of them. Or no, you've got you've got your whole kitchen and it's only if you know to bring out that, you know, apple core at the moment. <laughs> Thank you for the analogy. <laughs> because you also asked before what kind of people are drawn to my site or to my practice. Yes. And I would say it's really a cross section. So, you know, I've got all ages, both genders, something in between some of the genders. I got them all. Mm -hmm. um, but when somebody's wanting a reading, I'll always talk to them for a little while first to find out, well, what's going on? What is their real, you know, thing they're trying to find out? And then when, as I start to prepare, the chart leads me where I need to go. Mm. You know, so I'm looking, I'll bring out all my toolbox. I'll open everything up and be looking at this and that. Mm. And I go, oh, okay, here we got this. Over, oh, this person has no quintiles. I don't have to worry about that. Or, you know, this person's got the vertex with the nodes, and it's like, well, we're going to have to talk about that. So mm. it's really each reading is kind of customized. I mean, if you went into the sales booth at astrologybooth.com, you would see, oh, here's different types of readings, prospects for romance, relationship roadmap. Now, that's two different things. You can't get the roadmap to the relationship till you already got somebody to go down the road with, so the prospects mm -hmm. might come first. But, you know, your travel horizon, your career compass. But a lot of times, a reading is the person says, well, I need to know about two things. I go, fine, we're going to combine them up into your hour, hour and a half, whatever you're getting. And we'll make sure we cover what you need to cover. Mm -hmm. Okay, wonderful. So let's, we've touched on some of the astrology, but, you know, we have a whole list to do. What What would you like to start with? Because um, it's, it's the most pressing. We have about 40 more minutes. Mm -hmm. What are some, you know, it's almost like a horary chart, pressing personal right. questions. What What's... What's on your 
mind right now. We got 40 minutes, you know, I mean, we, we, let me, I'll list some of the things, you know, the, the lessons. Well, why don't we start with this? The lessons of the pandemic, you know, we, since March, wow. I mean, really this mandated social distancing and before then coronavirus popped up and you, you felt that you really wanted to talk about some of the lessons from this pandemic. What are some of the lessons and what does astrology have to say about that? Right. Well, I think one of my big revelations, and I think it's maybe for many, many people, is how much we took for granted mm-hmm. and how much we didn't realize what portion of our life was face to face with other people or in the group settings. So those are the Libra and the Aquarius influences from astrology not by oh this is your sun sign but everybody has libra somewhere somewhere in their chart and everybody has a relationship area their chart so you know we're finding out who you live with or do you live alone who you work with who's helping you who are you helping oh how do you feel about strangers now it's all come under a big magnifying glass in fact i feel like when we were in what they call the times that try men's souls, we're all being tested about a lot of things. And when we talk about, you know, stay at home and isolation, those are very much related to the sign Pisces and its ruling planet Neptune, because those go with the part of the chart called the 12th house, which is the area of confinement. Mm-hmm. And we right. have yeah. to deal with that now, you know. Right. So what what do you think, you know, interestingly, from my perspective, the thing that really I noticed about especially the whole social distancing thing is pretty much right around that time Saturn entered into the sign of Aquarius, which is the sign of social networks. It's the sign of electricity, currency, just the way, as you're saying, like, what did we take for granted that the flow of social networks and currency and Saturn is the great sort of restrictor of the zodiac. I mean, it's the, it's what, it's the cross over the crescent. It's the sacrifice over the personality that probably wants to be out and amongst people and all this kind of thing. But what, what would you say is sort of the silver lining to all this? I know that's difficult for a lot of people, but you know what? What is the, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned Neptune. Neptune's been in Pisces, so Neptune is in. Uh, the domicile or Neptune's domicile. So in a way, it's like there can be some Neptune can do its thing, maybe in a positive spiritual way. But but what do you think for people that are some some of the silver linings about this whole thing? I think that's very good what you just mentioned about Neptune and spiritual. You mm-hmm. know, many people in astrology look at a sign and they divide it into three sections of 10 degrees, each called mm-hmm. the decans or decanates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first one is the kind of purest, it would be the Pisces part of Pisces. And then we go with the other two water signs. The next one is going to be Cancer. The third one is going to be Scorpio. So we are now shifting into the third decan mm-hmm. of Pisces. And Scorpio mm-hmm. is the sign about transformation and let go what doesn't work for you anymore and get ready to embrace mm-hmm. something new. Right. So I do think one of the silver linings is a sort of inner, we'll call it a come to Jesus moment Mm -hmm. for all of us. And it's interesting that then the Black Lives Matter thing got going with it. And that's another sort of come to Jesus moment for 
America and our values of are all people treated equally? <laughs> so, no, they're not. Um, I think another silver lining has been, or even a blessing, the technology side of Uranus and Aquarius. Because if we had had a pandemic like this 35 years ago before the Internet or anything else, we couldn't do our work from home. We right. could connect with each other around the world virtually like we are now. I've had more um, Zoom webinars I've enjoyed online since the you know pandemic than anything before. They have whole conferences that are now online. And for people who didn't like to go anywhere anyway, it's like, oh, you're a happy heaven now. Right. It is wonderful. And I mean, even just from this podcast, I mean, it was, you know, I kept in the loop, you know, I mean, I know it's just emails, but with you all, because I, you know, I was involved briefly with the ASC and then, you know, that precipitated this podcast and we're doing it on Skype and da, 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 da. So there, there are new things that can emerge from this new ways of being and adaptation. Um, okay, let's keep on the astrology, which we're doing. You know, I, the thing that comes to me next, you said you have an interest in human nature. How does human nature relate to astrology in your estimation? And how can we see? Uh, I know, probably a big question, but you know, maybe as an entry point into some of the other aspects of astrology, maybe the signs, planets, houses, you know, in your, yeah, okay, go ahead. Well, if you go back to the Judeo-Christian um philosophy and they talk about seven deadly sins and then they talk about seven contrary virtues that if you have this virtue you don't fall prey to this sin you know they kind of line up with one another mm -hmm. well I aligned those with the planets and I said well there's really like a spectrum like if one of the virtues is humility and one of the vices is pride, everybody falls somewhere on that spectrum. Well, these seven virtues and um, vices that go with the seven planets, it's like in our inner makeup, to use your phrase, <laughs> we have these seven basic planets that have always been in astrology. Before we had telescopes and discovered mm -hmm. Uranus and other all kinds of stuff out there, because there's a lot out there. But we had the sun and moon. We had Mercury and Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. And really, you can do a lot of astrology with just that much. But I still get a little ticked off with the traditional astrologers because they go, we have got the other stuff now. We should be using it. Mm -hmm. When you take human nature, you go, well, people have the ability to really sink down to the lowest common denominator or the worst expression of any one of those planetary energies. And they also have the ability to rise to the highest expression. So when we say, well, can we get everybody to wear a mask? It's like, no, you cannot get everybody to wear a mask because of human nature, because some people are rebellious or some people, you know, they're stubborn or whatever. And I find the people who have the hardest time conforming to these restrictions and the whole mask stuff are people who have Leo or the sun strong in their chart from my experience now it could mm -hmm. be other things but if you don't also have a nice balancing out of saturn and stuff and respect for the masses and it's all like why are you intruding on my life and i can't do what i want and it's very selfish and it's not oh. respectful for others but you'll find right. that 
Okay, so do you want to, you know, because again, and this might be very simple, but, you know, actually really great. Do you want to just go through some of the planets? Like, well, you know, I, I don't know. Is that somewhere you, like Mercury, Venus, do you, you want to go through them or maybe the signs or the houses or you, where do you want to go next? Because I know you wanted to talk about a lot of stuff astrologically. Well, I wanted to make sure we talked about Capricorn and Aquarius and the sort okay. of shift from Capricorn to Aquarius okay. because that's one of the big things that's going on now that affects everybody of every sign. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So let's just briefly define, you know, in your, because we all, you know, we live with these signs and we have some general agreements about what the signs are. As, I, I mean, at least, okay, in Western astrology, I mean, the, 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 but, but even still, like generally what the energy of these signs are, which are segments of the sky, and there's some disagreement about that. But generally in Western astrology, we all agree upon the tropical zodiac, and that, that's, you know, um, it's pretty easy yeah. to understand. But, um, but anyways, t- talk about what Capricorn is, the type Capricornian energy and Aquarian energy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, and if you think of the rings around Saturn, they give us this idea of, like, good fences make good neighbors. Mm -hmm. There's respect with a boundary line, and in our relationships, we need boundaries, and this brings us into rules, but it also brings us into restrictions. Well, some rules are about restrictions. So as a sign, Capricorn is about the structures that we build to keep things under control. It's a big control kind of sign. Right now, we don't have control over things. Well, I don't know. We're taping this in June. It's going to air later in the fall. But maybe we still won't have a cure or a vaccine for this virus. Or maybe it's going to mutate and come back around in a wicked badass you know, second wave, who knows. But when we say like Pluto is the planet of transformation and change and it's slow, it's about kind of like evolutionary things. And it spends 12 or 15 years going through a sign. So it's been in Capricorn for a while. But when things got really rocking and rolling here in 2020 was when Jupiter, biggest planet, mm-hmm. thing, came into contact with Pluto and Saturn also came by. Right. And then just so people know, Pluto has been in Capricorn essentially since the touching off of the great recession. So Pluto really was the one who, you know, started this whole party, if you will. Um, But, you know, as you're saying, really it's been um, Jupiter entered Capricorn, I guess it was late 2019 Mm-hmm. Um, and then also Saturn had been there for about a year already, yep. plus the South Node, which can give karmic losses, but give spiritual gains and, you know, all moving through Capricorn and then also Mars earlier this year. So tons of just yeah. emphasis on Capricorn, you know, uh, it just, you know, and eclipses and, you know, so, uh, but go ahead. So, so right. but you're saying Jupiter, okay. real Jupiter is the magnifier of the Zodiac. So it really just magnified this whole thing. Exactly. And Saturn and Jupiter, I'm sorry, Saturn and Pluto don't get together very often. So mm. it's a big deal 
when that happens. I guess maybe once every 38 years. Here's what doesn't happen very often. Pluto going through Capricorn. Mm -hmm. It was there when the USA was born. We're coming close to our Pluto return. And it was also there when Martin Luther nailed his objections on the door of the Catholic Church. Wow. Has to do with giant changes. So we're not going to make it through our USA Pluto return without some kind of major change. Doesn't mean it has to be a bloody revolution, but maybe we need to get to our roots of what we say and put our laws where our words are. You know, Thomas Jefferson really gave us the challenge almost to have all people be equal. Of course, back then they meant all white landowners. But at any rate, <clears throat> we've kind of expanded that. And Aquarius, which is that sign of the new age that we're supposed to be moving towards, the bell is ringing as we say this. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Do you hear that in my on the? I, I know there's um yeah. there's actually a, tr there's a, a for church whom the, for whom the bell tolls. It's a new we're heralding a new era. <laughs> because Aquarius is more about the masses, and Capricorn is about the hierarchy. And some people are higher and bossier, and some people are the lower people, and it's the strata of society. Whereas when we get to Aquarius, it's all men are brothers, all women are sisters. We're all one big human family, and we should be sharing this planet Earth together. I won't even go into what's been going on with the poor Earth. But anyway, so. And, and then to add a rejoinder to that, this is what I was saying earlier in the podcast. So there's been all of this Capricorn energy happening, and it was really around this time of mandated social distancing that Saturn entered into the sign of Aquarius. So it's really that first kind of step into the future. And I've been telling people this, that even though there's all this upheaval, in some way trying to envision, because Saturn is about envisioning the future, what this is an indicator of how the future can be and for me personally obviously you know everybody's had to make adjustments but because of social distancing the social interactions that i do have you know on a limited basis become more truly virtuous and almost mm -hmm. like gift giving and truly like chivalrous in a way because it does place restrictions on social interactions so the social interactions that one does have become that much more meaningful and loving, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, and it does, as you were saying, the Piscean, and you know, come in with your own take on this, but the Piscean element, it gets one to the internal world. And I've said this in different videos that I've done, but there's a lady, she actually just retired from working in the French Quarter, somewhat timely actually, but she ran a bookstore. And we used to talk about books. And she happened to love uh, one of Truman Capote's last book. I think it was Music for Chameleons. And she said that the feeling that book gave her was so extraordinary that she locked herself in her car so nobody would dare interrupt her. <laughs> now, that's extraordinary because what that means is there are ways that we can have this internal world that's solitary but extremely spiritual. And that, I think, is something that's very, very lost on our modern society because it is so much externally, persona, career, personality based that connects to the collective based upon personality. 
So it's maybe less spiritual in that way. But but anyway, so that that's you know my take on Saturn dipping into Aquarius, the future. And remember again, Saturn is the cross over the personality. So it's part of this personality that dies. So it's and then um, you know Neptune spiritual. But but go ahead. So. Well, it's interesting because when we have more restrictions on the outer world, if we turn to the inner world, it may open up with a more freeing experience. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's sort of two natures to Aquarius. There's the gregarious Aquarius, and then there's the lone wolf Aquarius. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's... Some of that, too. Yeah, you know, it's actually funny, Jenna, because I feel like you have quite a bit of Uranian energy, too, right? You were saying that earlier that, you know, it's like the top of your chart. And myself, I have Jupiter conjunct Uranus in my first house in Sagittarius. So it's, yep. And I think we're probably both acquainted with Uranian energy and, you know, the need, obviously, to be individuals, but then still be mindful of you know, is there just a rebel without a cause or being rebellious for rebellion's sake, which isn't always good? Right. Well, I've been looking forward to the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius since yes. the early, early days of studying astrology. Because Jupiter passes Saturn once every 20 years, and it will get into a groove where it'll be in the same element for over 100 years, and then it shifts to another element. So we had, from the time of the Industrial Revolution until just recently, earth signs, earth signs, earth signs, and that's about the material world. Well, we developed mastery over the material world. In fact, we have a bomb that we could destroy the material world with. But what about people? So in 1980, that was a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Libra. And I was also very excited and idealistic and young about it then. And I thought, oh, well, this is when people are really going to start having their, um, you know, caring about other human beings in a really big way. But, well, at least in our country, Reagan came in and then, you know, I won't even go into all hell that broke loose as a result of that. But we didn't get there. So then we went back to one more Earth conjunction in Taurus in 2000. And what did it leave us with, Dan? You told us. 2008, the Great Recession. And why was that? Greed. It's one of those seven deadly vices. So next, when we have this Aquarius, it enters the air signs for over 100 years. And mm -hmm. we're moving into this age of Aquarius. So I looked at this as the real harbinger or, you know, mm, shooting what, when they shoot the gun at the beginning of the race. Mm -hmm. Yes. So let's let's think about this, because all this Capricornia energy, Earth, and there, there was this air element um, that was coming in in the early 80s. And that could be interpreted in many ways or we, we could really have a whole session just about that. But regardless, um, the all of this Capricornian energy where things are changing, they're being magnified, some of the structures are really changing in a massive way. Um, but Saturn, again, is dipping into Aquarius right now, and then it's going to retrograde back out. 
But at the end of 2020 into 2021, Saturn and Jupiter come together in Aquarius and this grand conjunction is a big thing. So is there a way, you know, you could talk about that personally for people either, you know, if you want to, if people know their astrology charts, you know, by house or by sun sign, or is there something you want to, you could give us some insight into that? What's, what is this moment now, as far as Saturn being in Aquarius now, and I'm meaning right, kind of, Mm -hmm. we're doing this, it's about to retrograde out, but from March to June, essentially, uh, versus, you know, and then it's going to really pick up at the end of 2020 into 2021. Correct. The actual conjunction is on the winter solstice, right. which is kind of amazing, mm-hmm. and at zero degrees of Aquarius. So zero, that's the beginning, that's the start. And I would say we're hoping to achieve a new mm, basis of societal interaction that's much more people-oriented. So if we talk about even Black Lives Matter or um, economic disparity between the 1% and the everybody else, that's got to go. And I'm not saying we have to have a revolution and shoot the rich, but I remember studying in anthropology the Inuit tribes of the Northwest Native Americans, and they had something called the potlatch ceremony. You may have heard of it. It was like a big party, and the richest person in the village gave away presents to everybody else. Well, how do you get the presents? You had to pay the basket weaver. You had to pay the blanket maker. So what it did was it distributed wealth throughout the society. It was socialistic. And it was a sin in their society to amass too many possessions on your own. Well, this is the kind of thing we need to think about globally, you know, the little villages in Africa that have nothing versus, you know, Hearst Castle or something. It's wrong. And it's it's left over from feudal society. The lords and the kings with the castles and the serfs. Mm-mm. It's time for a totally different social contract. And Saturn is word contract. And social is from Aquarius. So... On a personal level, what can we do with this energy? Right. So Saturn says make a plan. Have a sort of goal. And Mm -hmm. Jupiter says make it big. Mm -hmm. And if it's in Aquarius, it wants to be true to you. And it might have an intellectual side to it. Or it might have a connecting with other people side to it. So if we just ran through the 12 signs, and I'll just tell you the house and what the houses mean of... You know, if you're in Aries, Aquarius is in the 11th house. Well, that right. has its sort of joy or its natural affiliation. And it might say your friends, the groups you belong to, are going to be super important for you starting this winter and going forward. And think in terms of long-term cycles. Think in terms of the next 20 years. What do you want to grow or what kind of groups do you want to belong to? If you're a Taurus, it's going to be up in the 10th house, which is the career area. And you might say, I need to do something different that I've done. I've been in this rut. Tauruses get into the groove and then they stay there. But this says shake things up a little bit in your career. Think of something new, how you want to approach it. For the Geminis, and I would, <clears throat> I would say it's not just if this is your sun sign 
and it's true, these would be your solar houses, but if you know your rising sign, which you find out when you have your birth time, it's better to look at what house Aquarius is in according to your rising sign. So right. the Gemini sign, it puts Aquarius in the ninth. Geminis are curious anyway. Ninth is travel. It's contact with people at a distance. It's higher education. Open up your world to even bigger eyes. Connect with people far and wide, even if it's from your own desk, or even if it's a book that you're reading in your car, to go back to your friend. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> if you are Cancer, the Aquarius is falling in the eighth house, and this is you know, your naturally protective security is important for you. Well, now you're looking at your financial security and how can you build that over time or who should you be associated with in order to build your wealth. If you're Leo, the Aquarius is in the seventh house. Maybe you're looking for a significant other. Maybe you've got one. If you've got one, is your significant other also your best friend? As we age and our sex drive wanes, and it's not all about hot and jump in bed anymore, it's who do you want to be around? Mm -hmm. You know, who doesn't make you sick? Who's Who you're happy to be with? Okay. If you're Virgo, you're already health conscious usually, and this is Aquarius in your sixth house, and if you haven't tried all the non-traditional, what do they call them, the modalities... <laughs> You know, and this is actually me because I'm a Virgo and it's interesting because I really just we were talking about this before we got on the recording, but um, really thinking about the future of my daily activities and being super disciplined and Aquarius can be very scientific and exacting about them, which is you're right. It's already kind of Virgo in any ways, but adjusting that because it's um, it creates a quincunx, I think, natural aspect. Yes. So. Okay, but that, so that's Virgo, so there you go. <laughs> well, and another thing, you mentioned before about how maybe you said Uranus is related to electricity and currents. And this yes, is yes. And the currents of our body are our meridians and our chakras and our electromagnetic right. field. So, you know, this is a great time for Virgos to learn Reiki and do it on themselves or help other people with it. or. Right. Because it's the house of service. It says, well, maybe you want to serve mankind in right. some new way. Okay. So for the Libras, Aquarius is in the fifth house. That's the house of children, but it doesn't mean you have to, like, you know, center your life around your children. But you might find they're requiring more of your attention. But if you're not a person with children, you might have brain children, your creative mm -hmm. output. This might be the most creative period of your life. We'll see. Then if you're a Scorpio, this is Aquarius in the fourth house. There might be parental issues you're looking at, but more so I would say make your home a place that's a true expression of your uniqueness and individuality. Right. For Saggies, it's a third house thing. This might say, you know, especially now in COVID days, we can't travel the world like we may be used to. So now you have to look at local things or travel mm -hmm. in your mind or travel from your armchair. But it might be also a time where you want to share your ideas with people. Sagis are natural teacher, professor types, many of them, and some of them are comedians. So mm -hmm. <laughs> share your wisdom or share your funny with your neighbors, with your siblings. Those are third house. If you are Capricorn, 
this is putting Saturn, your ruler, in your second house of money. And it's time to figure out some different ways to make money. And Jupiter, the first year that it's going through of this 20-year cycle that's being set up, but that's when Jupiter spends in your second house, too. And that's true for all of these houses we just mentioned. But, you know, make hay while the sun shines. Go make some money, Capricorn. You'd love that. <laughs> okay. If you're an Aquarius, this is your first house. This is you. You're just coming yeah. out all your full glory. And it might be some of the best times or one of the best years of your life. However, it's also the house of the body. And if you have, let's say, dis ease, uncomfort with yourself, you may be expressing that in your body. So you need to watch out for things like tumors because Jupiter rules growth. And I'm not saying, oh, everybody Aquarius who isn't happy is going to get cancer. I am not saying that. I'm just saying, watch out. What are you growing within yourself spiritually, physically, mentally, all of those? And if you are a Pisces, this is in your 12th house. Well, guess what? That's your normal Pisces house anyway. <laughs> so it's time for you to pretty much find your inner guru or your external guru. or it, It's a really great time for spiritual studies and maybe more so finding your spiritual family. Mm. You know, it's interesting with the, you know, I was listening and taking in what you were saying, but the Pisces thing for me, it's because Pisces can be very just tuned into spirituality and the oneness with all that is and everything. And I, I've been thinking with Pisces, with the 12th house of Pisces, is it's almost taking a little bit more of an intellectual, scientific approach to spirituality. So, you know, something along those lines, like a little bit more yep. like let's test it or, you know, this kind of way that really could get out of a little bit of the more fluid, go with the flow stuff could really help. You know, again, Aquarius sort of we think of, again, currency that's flowing or almost like an aqueduct or electric grid, getting those watery realms to flow with a little bit more guidance and control. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, what's also interesting here, once we get into 2021, the first bout of Mercury retrograde will be in Aquarius. Mm, interesting. You want to talk about Mercury retrograde because that is something, probably the most famous thing about astrology besides sun signs and horoscopes, Mercury retrograde. So what, let's use this as a moment to talk about just what Mercury retrograde is in your estimation, and then what does that mean? As because we're talking about the end of 2020 into 2021, what can people, you know, maybe look for, look ahead for that? Well, those same areas of life that I just talked about in the houses, according to the signs, this is where the Mercury retrograde will be, mm -hmm. and it's going to start on the 30th of January and continue for three weeks till the 20th of February. But it's really in the degree range that it backs up, you know, it goes forward through it, backs up, goes right. forward again. So from January 15th to March 13th, and all the Mercury retrogrades do that. It's about three weeks of backup, but about two months of stuck in the same slice of the zodiac. Right. So Mercury is between the Earth and the Sun. It goes around three times for every time we go around once. And every time it comes in between the Earth and the Sun is when we have the optical illusion that it looks like it's going backwards through the zodiac. 
we feel this as all the rewords, review, revisit, research, redo. And sometimes we have to go back to something we've done before and revamp it or find the errors or fix them up. Sometimes it's, oh, before we can go forward to find what we want to get a new car. We need to research it during the Mercury retrograde. I wouldn't necessarily recommend the decision during the Mercury retrograde. You might wait till it comes out and it's going forward for a few days. It's basically can affect communications and transportation. Sometimes there's more traffic jams or delays on public transportation during Mercury retrograde. And certainly we have many people reporting problems with their phone system or their computer system and blah, blah. Is it, a, <laughs> is it a time to buy a new computer? Oh, God, if yours breaks, you might have to, but you hope not. Is it a time to buy a new car? Oh, please, you hope not. Like I had a Mercury retrograde on my birthday one year. And my, I had to have a car, and I bought this crappy piece of junk for a few hundred dollars, and it didn't hardly even last the three weeks of the Mercury retrograde. <laughs> well, maybe it'll be okay because it's my birthday. No, it's not okay. <laughs> And it's not okay for a couple of days leading up to when it changes direction or even when it's coming forward again. It's motionless. It's hanging right. out. So it's better to just be motionless yourself. Stop. Look. Listen. Mercury's in charge of our perceptions. It's in charge of what we do with our hands. Maybe do something different with your hands during Mercury right. retrograde. You know, then if you go back to this idea I mentioned before about progressions, mm -hmm. if Mercury went retrograde in those three months after your birth, you're going to have it in your progressions. You're going to have mm -hmm. it 20 years in your right. progressions. Well, that's something that's a whole nother thing, but it's kind of like you should go back to something you always wanted to do. And do it now. Like, oh, well, I'm, I'm in that. I told myself I was going to learn to play piano, but I never did. <laughs> I'll be happy if I can just clean up four or five years worth of stacked up stupid papers. Well, that's I know you're rich. Well, we right at the time of this recording, we're going into Mercury retrograde. So I think and then that's going through uh, cancer. So you're mm -hmm. reviewing the stuff at home. That <laughs> but it's, it's all business related for me because I, oh, okay. I work from my home and cancer. Oh, okay. Cancer's right. in my career house at the top. Oh, well, there you well there you go. There you go. Okay, so but to close up Mercury retrograde for the beginning of next year. So it actually, interestingly, all the stuff that we're talking about, and you mentioned this by either if you're doing it sun sign or rising sign, whichever, Mercury's actually going to, in some, I don't have the degrees, but it's going to be going over some of this stuff that we're, you know, it's this territory long term of uh, the Aquarian stuff. Okay, so we're, we're, Coming down to the wire, I want you have the planets, your planet stuff in the calendar, and that gets into the lunar phases and the personal moon cycles. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and how one can, even in a general sense, use the lunar phases to help out in life? Sure. Um, I do have to say planet spelled P-L-A-N hyphen I-T-S. Mm -hmm. It was a printed calendar that I did for 17 years, I think, and then the last year... In 2018, it was just virtual, and people wanted the print. It's just too much work for me. I couldn't do it. But vestiges of it remain, and I still uh, have a daily message that people can get for free, or it's also at the top of my website with what I call my day rating, one through five, mm -hmm. how 
are the influences of the day. And it's not by your sign. It's just how are the planets getting along. Mm-hmm. And there's other free resources people can use, the best worst days of the list, of a list of the best and worst days of the year. And all of those day ratings set out month by month for the whole year. And I'm you know, now working on 2021. Um, working with the lunar phases. People who are studying Wiccan or Wicca and um, Druid type of studies, they're already working with those new moons, full moons. They're pretty attuned to the seasons. But basically you've got about a one-month cycle. It starts with a new moon. It goes to the full moon halfway through, and then cycles around back to the next new moon. The waxing or growing of the light from new to full is the best time for starting new projects if you want them to have growth. The waning from full back to the next new moon is the decrease of the light. And you might start something then if it's like, say, a diet because you want the net effect to be a decrease. There's split into eight phases, um, half uh, in each of the waxing or the waning. So, you know, we could get into the nuances of that. But I think one of the ways to work with it is to each month look in your chart where is the degree of that new moon? What house is it in? That's the main place for your focus for that month. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you can do a little personal monthly chart called a lunar return that goes for the minute when the moon comes back to where it was when you were born, and that tells you something for a one-month period, but it does mm. not coincide with the new moon to full moon cycle. Right. Uh, but, you know, again, when we talk about progressions, you can pull that out into a day for a year. So mm-hmm. each of us has our own personal nearly 30-year moon cycles, and that mm-hmm. is fascinating to look up. Mm-hmm. I always look at that when I'm doing a reading for people. Um, not always. Maybe if they have a specific time-related question for now, I might not be going into that. But my general readings when I'm, you know, getting down in the weeds with a person's chart – I like to look at that because it's important to know. You're saying, oh, I want to start a business this winter, Janet, with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. I'll go, well, you could, but you're in the very, very end of your personal moon cycle, and it might not feel like it's going anywhere for two or three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all good stuff. We're running short on time, but I have a apple to maybe throw in and cause some chaos which you know what this is it's the planet error or the planetary body or you know the classifications eris mm-hmm. and actually there's a, a gentleman he's he we did a um pie, he's gonna be well he'll be he's on the podcast henry seltzer he wrote a whole book about eris but you're one of the other astrologers who i hear talking about eris consistently and people don't always bring up eris so let's talk about Eris a little bit. What do you think about Eris and maybe how can people approach Eresian energy? Okay, well, I told you I like all the weird stuff. (laughs) When they came out with Eris, I said, I got to get a handle on this. And I started putting it in everybody's charts and watching it and, you know, interpreting it as best as I can. So from mythology, yes, she was the sister of Mars, loved a fight, didn't matter who was winning in the fight she just loved to see people fighting mm-hmm. and 
I, I look at it as very related to stand up for yourself, kick butt, don't take crap from anybody. It's in the sign of Aries right. from around the time women got the vote into the mm-hmm. middle of this century. That's a long time in one sign because it's really far out there. And it does not go through the signs at an even pace, obviously. Right. right. So, like, what we're seeing now, a lot of chaos. And this is because we're having the 90-degree friction position called square from Pluto with Eris. And then mm-hmm. Jupiter came in and added to that, too, in 2020. Right. The Pluto-Eris square goes on into 2021. So we've got a certain level of chaos we have to live with. And if you look in my study booth articles, there's an article on Pluto demoted, series promoted, Eris noted. I'd recommend mm. for people. Yes. And I, you know, they, actually every, you know, I'd recommend Henry's book, um, Eris. I think it's Revelations from the Tenth Planet, something like that. And, you know, of course, obviously your thoughts on Eris. When I said throwing the apple in, the old story was Eris was disinvited to the wedding of, um, oh, I forget whose wedding it was. And she threw an apple in that said to the fairest one. And, um, basically it was almost saying it's not me it's you you disinvited me to a wedding and it caused chaos but then also the um the greek philosopher hesiod talked about eris can be chaos but it can also be physical exertion so he felt that um if you did physically exert yourself that you could work out some of that aggression or chaos um, in a healthy way so there's there's a lot of interesting stuff about Eris um, coming up, you well, know. And, yeah. Another thing Hesiod said about Eris was she starts off very small and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So when you look at something like the COVID pandemic, it started off very small and mm. got bigger and bigger and big. And even though I look at Eris as being strongly related to the sort of feminist movement but men have eras too and men can you know be chaotic or they can be loving to fight and if you look at somebody like president trump he has a neptune mercury square in his chart which is where you know the sixteen thousand lies comes from but it's in a t-square with eras so that means he sees things not in a reality way, Mercury, Neptune, and that causes chaos. Mm, interesting. Yes. So, and this this really does bring up the point of looking at Eris, I mean, as a planetary body and, you know, she's coming in. I tell people generally, you have to be very careful with Eris in your chart because it can be this real source of power and aggression applied in a great way or it can cause chaos so i just tell astrologers in my opinion just be careful with the region energy if you go there it really can cause chaos you know and i always say you know with eris too it's you know this the classical story goes back to inviting family members to a wedding you know if you think okay i really have to do the right thing here eris can cause trouble but you know what she belongs at the wedding you have to invite, pe- you know, your family members to the wedding. Um, 
So there, there's that part of it too, that it's not always Eris's fault. It's, it's really can be other people's fault, which I don't like to say. I think we should all, what's the old saying in the Bible? First, clean out the speck in your own eye type thing. But Eris does kind of point out other people's problems. Yes. Well, I was just listening to an old um, cassette tape from a seminar done by Liz Green and Richard Eideman mm -hmm. in the 80s called The Hero's Journey. And he was talking about how when you don't invite the gods into your life, in other words, these planetary energies, they show up uninvited and they bring mm -hmm. the poison gift. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that's, that's, it, er that's, that is, er yeah, that's Eris. <laughs> and he uses, he talks about the Eris myth. Absolutely. Mm. And he also talks about Sleeping Beauty and Maleficent. Mm. And he had another story on the same theme. But the idea is, we'll come back to what we were talking about before. If there's seven deadly vices with their seven contrary virtues and they all represent a planetary energy that each human being is born with and you know various strengths or manners of expressing it but we're going to be somewhere on that spectrum between the vice and the virtue and then that's where free will comes in because mm -hmm. you have dealt a rotten hand in your chart and have let's say saturn really ugly but it doesn't have to come out ugly you can work with it. You can become aware with it and then use that energy in a different way and get yourself higher towards the virtue end of the spectrum. Well, that is a wonderful note to end on that, you know, inviting the planets and the gods in and then working with them. And, you know, that's where we can take some free will agency, even if we have, say, the fate of our own chart. Yep. So that's wonderful. All right, Janet, thank you so much. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off? Well, people can see my looking up show from going to the bottom of my mm. home page. And I always do like to end on a very positive note. And that's why I chose the name looking up, because I think we not enough people look up to the heavens mm. and even give it respect. Right. And think about how they can always have a more positive experience. So I want to encourage everybody to look up. Mm. All right. Wonderful. We'll end on that note. And this is Dan Beck signing off from the Star Love Podcast. And remember, if you love the stars, they'll love you back. On the next episode of the Star Love Podcast, we welcome astrologer Terry McKinnell. We discuss Terry's innovative approach towards rectifying the age of Aquarius whether the famous song is even accurate or not, and his experience with meditation and experiencing one's true self. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts, and if you're interested in sponsoring a future podcast, email Intermakeup Business Manager James at james at intermakeup.net. To make a wish for yourself and support the continued production of the Star Love Podcast, go to the Leave a Tip Make a Wish section at intermakeup.net.